Welcome back to the Brown Experience, season three, season trace. So excited for this season. In fact, this season specifically, um, we uh, we want to call it people, uh, people for the holiday season, people to uh, be able to talk through because this is not just our channel. Uh, this is your channel. This is uh, everything that the brown people experience, what they go through, and even uh, some things that affect our, our, our next door neighbors, our community. And so um, we want to bring that to you specifically this season. I'm going to be talking about that a few times over and over. And so um, we're really excited. Season three people, season three people. <laughs> and uh, with me as always, uh, my name is William. This is Javi. What's up, Javi? What's going on, Will? I think you got it. I think I'm looking definitely forward for this season. Uh, all about people. You know, it's all about people. I'm definitely looking forward for the next couple of episodes. See what we get, see what audience gets, and then we share with us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, we we're gonna have a couple of themed episodes, um, uh, specifically that go around the holidays because this is holiday season for us. Uh, but right now, uh, me and Javi, we definitely did not want to ignore uh, some of the things that have affected um, all communities. Um, but specifically, um, our African-American brothers and sisters, um, there's been a lot of turmoil, a lot of violence, a lot of um, negative things that have happened. Um, and the brown community feels that. They feel that as well because we are still a minority culture. And so, um, you know, it does affect us in some ways, too. Um, so we don't want to glance over. We don't want to not talk about those issues. Uh, I told Javi, I thought that it was, it's kind of like reminds me of the sixties, you know, it's like, we don't want to just ignore things that are happening, um, in America. We want to talk about everything, but we also, uh, don't want to take away from, um, their voice and, uh, something that, uh, they're going through who better to speak on, uh, than, uh, great representation, great friends. So, uh, please give a, a warm brown experience. Welcome to Daniel Ajibi. What's up, Daniel? How are you, man? Well, how you doing? Javi, how you guys doing? It's nice meeting you. Thanks for, you know, thanks for joining us. It's going to be great hearing from you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And uh, so, Daniel, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe uh, your name, uh, your profession, a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So, like they said, my name is Daniel Ajibi. Um, You know, Will and I have known each other since high school. Going on a long time now. Um, I, won't, I won't date us by giving you the exact year, but yeah. So we go back. Will's a good guy. Um, I'm an attorney now. He asked me to come on here, just talk about my experiences. So, you know, I jumped at the opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. And so um, thank you, Daniel. Yeah. For joining us. And so um, I think the big thing here is just uh, because of a lot of things happening in 2020, um, they not only have uh, affected everyone in the country, um, but specifically uh, it's, there's been a lot of uh, things happening with the African-American community. And so, um, as, I mean, is there anything that kind of just jumps out at you that has happened in 2020 that, that you can speak on or that you would like to speak on and a little bit more about that? We've seen these police encounters with African-Americans that end in fatalities 
you know, going back several years, there was the Mike, Mike Brown, you know, there was that whole time. And it was the same kind of thing. There was protests. People, people were fed up. So yeah, there was property damage. There was things like that. But I feel like it goes in a cycle. Like every couple years, it's some, it happens again. So it's nothing new. And if you go back in just the history of, you know, the last hundred years, this kind of thing has happened constantly. But the thing is now it's everyone has a cell phone, you know, everyone has a camera in their pocket. So it's it's being broadcast to the entire country and the entire world now. And especially with uh, George Floyd, the way that happened this year, this is probably one of the first times that I can remember where it was international. I mean, it was like every France, Brazil, you know, all over the world, people were protesting, saying, you know, with banners, say his name. I can't breathe. George Floyd. So I feel like this time it it, it just. It got and it was just so graphic what happened this time. I mean, you've we've all seen the video, the, the man's laying there and, and he's telling the cop he can't breathe. He's be- pretty much begging for his life. He's calling for his mom. And the guy just sits there. And, you know, normally the videos we're used to seeing is people getting shot. It's quick. You know, bang, bang, the guy's dead. Um, they, you know, they tackle him. They do something to him. He's dead really fast. But to suffocate someone and, and like, the thing is, not, not only was he suffocated, but his carotid artery, there was pressure on that, but it wasn't complete pressure. So that's why it took so long. You literally watch the guy die on video, one of the slowest kinds of deaths you can have. And it was just the whole time the cop had multiple opportunities to get off of him. So it's like a callous indifference. And that's what was shown in that video. And I think that's why this one was just so much worse, because it's like literally the cop had no humanity, no, no concern for human life. And he was just a cold-blooded murder, but it wasn't something fast. It was like the guy was writhing under him and the cop sat there knowing he was killing the guy and just kept doing it. Yeah. So I think that's why it's a little different this time. Yeah. And you're right, Daniel. We all got a chance to watch it and uh, react. And the the kind of good but also sad part is it is it got it garnished a lot of attention. And I feel like it's like you can't just sit there and be like, oh, that didn't happen. Like, no, we all watched it. <laughs> you, know? you can't be like so far delusional, right? Where it's just like you, you got to notice that it was just unfortunate. And um, we all felt for that. And we and and like you were saying, Daniel, this has been going on for so long. I remember, you know, we're a product of um, the mid 80s and, and Rodney King. I mean, that thing was just and incredibly uh horrible and and this kind of mirrors that it garnished that much attention and i think it's i think it's really unfortunate that something like that has to happen to um a person of color uh in order to start to see things like defund the police or bring awareness to that and all that stuff um do you mind if i ask like how how did you feel as an african-american like when you saw that and just kind of the response from from everything that's happened since then so it was it was crazy because the first time I saw it, I was like, you know, I saw it right when it started getting put on the Internet, like probably the same day it happened or maybe the next day. And by then it wasn't there wasn't this outroar about it. And like I said, there's tons of these videos that happen with a regular frequency. That's terrible. 
So it's not my first time seeing a video of where a cop is killing a black person or any kind of person for that matter. Because, I mean, although black people experience it the most, no one's really safe. There's videos of the guy in Arizona in the hallway at the hotel crawling and the cops telling him to do all this weird stuff, you know, pull your pants, call up crab walk to me and stuff and it's like impossible instructions and he just dumps on him so that guy's white there's there's lots of white people that this happens to there's another guy in arizona cops banged on his door in the middle of the night he came out he had a gun but he, he didn't he wasn't aiming it at him they unloaded on him so that being said it wasn't my first time seeing them any of those videos but the thing was so I, you know we're used to seeing these videos and sometimes nothing really happens so i was like dang this is going to be another video where nothing's going to happen, you know, like people are going to try to justify it and, you know, it's going to get swept under the rug. But fortunately, that wasn't the case this time. This one really blew up way more than I would have ever expected. Yeah. And and I think even more encounters, right, that happened after that. We had the Breonna Taylor thing that happened, which was an also um, I mean, I don't know the details of that case, but it was also kind of right after that incident with George Floyd. And then you have another incident that was caught and, um, and, and, and then that just created no matter if a person feels that that was innocent or not. It's like, no, this is something that African-Americans feel all the time is unjust or is um, profiled and all that stuff as an attorney and feel free to jump in. If you have any questions to Javi, um, as an attorney, can you speak to, just kind of maybe the cases around that or are you allowed to or just from speculation what would you say um well how about like do you know of any um cases that have arisen from this besides those cases like have we seen a little bit more i guess i want to say um because of this have we seen any cases that are like going to be helping the minority community or has anything arisen that is, um, you know, going to put more restrictions on the cops or is this kind of the, the one? So, I mean, there was a lot of talk about that because uh, one of the things that makes it hard to, uh, you know, hold police accountable is some of the laws out there, especially like the doctrine of, you know, uh, qualified immunity, things like that. Essentially that's like a standard, um, where they judge what a police officer did, whether it was wrong or right. And they base it essentially on what a reasonable police officer under the same circumstances, knowing what that other police officer knew would do. So essentially they try to put themselves in the shoes of a cop, but it's just, it's a lot more complicated than that. It's a lot more convoluted, but a lot of times these cops are able to get out of being prosecuted by that by raising uh, qualified immunity as a defense. So one of the proposals that was brought up again in, you know, in light of all these police killings was to abolish qualified immunity. And I mean, that's something that would take essentially like Congress passing laws to overturn that. And I mean, states can try to do it as well because a lot of times, you know, state police are enforcing state police law mm. under the limitations provided by the Constitution. But when it comes to immunity, that's something that, you know, a state 
can pass laws to kind of override. But that being said, uh, police unions are very powerful in this country and uh, they have a lot of money. So, and they use their money politically. So they use it to oppose anyone who wants any kind of police reform, essentially. So that's one of the main problems. Daniel, you mentioned earlier about feeling safe. You know, you're a professional, you're in your career. Do you feel that you're safer than someone who's not in a career or someone who's not educated being African-American? I mean, I feel sometimes you might feel a little safer just because you're not going to be in a lot of the positions or circumstances where you're likely to run into the police. You know, like a lot of the times is these poor neighborhoods are the ones that are over-policed. So, you know, being educated and having a career kind of insulates you a little bit. But at the end of the day, you're still going to be driving on the streets. You know, you're still going to be going to going out in public. And there's places that the police can stop you. You know, if you're driving in a car, a cop and sees a black person, they don't know that you're a doctor, a lawyer or whatnot. And there's actually lots of um, instances of that. For example, in this, this past summer with this whole you know, with everything that was going on, you would think that police would be a little more careful because, you know, they have a magnifying glass on them, but they don't, you know, a lot of them don't care because that's the, you know, the, the nature of their, the, that's the nature of the problem is that they feel like, you know, and not, not just entitled, they just feel like invincible. So there was a case in uh, Florida, there's an ER doctor, he parks his car on the side of the, you know, you know in front of his house and I think he was moving stuff in and out of his car and a cop pulled up on him. And I think the guy is wearing scrubs like he, had, he might have a name tag or something. I don't remember the exact details of the video, but it was pretty clear that he's, you know, he's he's in medicine. And this is around, you know, this is coronavirus summer. We're still in the pandemic. These people are risking their lives to fight these deadly diseases and they're dying you know, at a high rate. So, well, meanwhile, everyone else is treating them as heroes, not this police officer. He sees a black man and he just starts harassing him and he ends up putting the guy in cuffs. He ends up putting the, the doctor in cuffs. So there's that there's that example. It's like he's a he's an ER doctor. You know, that's like one of the highest professions you can have in our country. And he's still not safe. So it gives you a, a little measure of, of safety just because you're not going to be like in the ghetto. You know, you're not living in the ghetto or in the hood, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Really. Have you ever experienced a time in your life, you know, that you were just because you're a certain color? Have you ever been pulled over by a police, a white police? Oh, yeah. Um, I have an even worse story. I mean, the whole reason I became an attorney was because when I was in college, um, you know, it's a long, long story. I'll give you guys a short rundown. Uh, I, I was in college. My roommates, one of them was a white dude. It was like a five-bedroom apartment on campus. Uh, he's smoking weed, playing loud music. The resident advisor is walking down the hallway, hears the music, knocks on the door, tells him to turn the music down. When the door's open, she smells weed. I'm in my own room. You know, doors closed. I'm in my bed. I'm not having anything to do with this party. So she smells the weed. She calls the cops, the, the school police. They come. They uh, they come in, they talk to my roommate who had the weed. They ask him if he had any more weed. He says no. They look around his room. They, I mean, they didn't even search his room. They just asked me if he had more weed. He said no. This guy had like over an ounce of weed. 
So they end up coming to my room. I mean, because they knew I was African American, because you know they know who lives in the in the these apartments. It's a school on campus apartment. Anyways, they come into my room, drag me out of bed, and then they arrest me. Yeah. And the reason I became an attorney because so they arrest me, they put bogus charges on me. Charges are dropped. Um, and I was like, dude, that's bullshit. Oh, wait, are we allowed to cuss on here? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bogus charges. Charges are dropped completely. Um, and then I'm like, dude, you know, this is it's not right. You can't just do this. You know, I have a Fourth Amendment right to be free from unreasonable search and seizure. So I tried to find an attorney to take the case. A lot of attorneys back then, because this was uh, 2000, 2005, 2006, back then, a lot of attorneys didn't want to go against the police because, you know, it's a lot of work and you might lose. And, you know, they're just some of them are intimidated by that. So a lot of them didn't want to take it. So what did I do? I called the ACLU and they told me because the ACLU handles cases like that. And back then they were doing a big case where CHP was just pulling over on a. Uh, I think it's the 152 near, uh, it's like on the way to San Luis Reservoir and around that area. They were just pulling drivers over all the time based on their ethnicity. Latinos and black people were getting pulled over all the time at an ex- exceptional rate. So the ACLU was like, hey, something's wrong here. So they, they sued the CHP and sure enough, CHP was targeting Latino and black drivers. So the ACLU was big in those kind of cases back then. So I called them and said, hey, you know, I have you know, a situation like that. Problem is the ACLU is a nonprofit organization. They can't just take every single case, you know, because they, they don't, you know, they just don't have the money. So they just told me, hey, you got a case. We can't help you because, you know, we can't take your case. But you can always go and represent yourself. So, I mean, that's what I ended up doing. You know, I went to the law library, got legal books, this and that. I was, what was I, 19. Studied up on it, sued them in federal court, got a big settlement. And then I was like, you know what? That's what I want to do. Go to law school. So, yeah. So to answer your question, sure. this happened to me. And I'm sure you see a lot more cases even 15 years later, you know, even in 2020, even in 2020, do you still see a lot of cases at this very moment? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, it's, it doesn't stop. It's just there's a lot there's a lot that needs to be done to get you know get this under control but it's it's a battle so something you got to fight every day and if you have the willpower to change things if i was to ask you so how do we move on from here what would your answer be mm-hmm. how do we move well, on i mean the first couple steps would be one make sure that police are held accountable when they do bad things because Right now they have they act with impunity because they they know that they're at most will get a slap on the wrist and you know they might just get off completely. So first would be ending qualified immunity. Um, I think the whole defunding, I think that's a good start too, because a lot of these police they just have more money than they need and they just militarize. So it's like like if you see them, especially during all these protests that were happening, you see the cops, it looks like they look like they're trying to be Navy SEALs, you know? It's like, yeah. what, are you, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Just to just to, just to stop people from protesting. They're wearing everything they got. Yeah, dude, they don't need all that money. Um, a lot of the money should be redirected, which is what some of the people are doing now. Some of the counties, 
in cities or redirecting the money that's just was always just going to the police. They're using it for uh, people who are in, like, um, you know, like social social workers, because the social workers, that's what a lot of these people need. A lot of these a lot of these police shootings, too, are a result of someone with mental illness. You know, someone's having someone's in a mental crisis and there's no one else to call but the police. And the police, they're not trained to deal with that. But they have very minimal training on that. They, they, they spend a lot more time target practice, practicing and shooting guns than they do um, learning how to deal with people in mental crisis. So I feel like the counties that are redirecting some of the money towards uh, social workers and psychologists, things like that, I think that's a good start. Yeah. That's that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, me and Daniel, again, have known each other for so long. For those of you guys who are watching, he knows me. I know him really well. And the best thing that I could do if my uh, friend, if my neighbor, if somebody close to me um, is a part of that, the best thing I could do is support in any way I can, but also allow for them to speak on their behalf, right? I think that that's probably the message that if you do not identify as African-American, that's the most that we can do because I feel like anybody else who speaks on behalf that is not from that culture is just unfair. What do you think, Daniel? No, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I also, I think what was happening this time that was a lot different was like, even people who aren't African-American were feeling the same, they were understanding it and they were feeling the same emotions that, you know, African-Americans feel. So yeah, like if you watch like, you know, footage of people protesting, there's white people, Latino, um, Asian, you know, Pacific Islander, every ethnicity, because they understand it, you know? So I think you can understand How did that make you feel seeing that, seeing that it wasn't just African-Americans protesting, but it was actually everyone now? How did that make think, you feel American? Yeah, no, I think it's great um, because people understand that, you know, they can help stop what's going on. And then also along those same lines, like I was saying earlier, I mean, it, it is probably, you know, it is African-Americans who experience this mo the most, but when police aren't held accountable for the bad actions they do against African-Americans, no one's safe. And I mean, that's been proven. Um, there's, there's cases all over the place. There's one in the one in LA. Uh, there was one in the Bay area where the Latino guy was shot. There was one in LA for sure that, for the, I think it was the first time in 20 years the coroner was doing a uh, an inquest, essentially where the coroner because normally you know it's the police and the district attorney who do investigations, but the coroner has the ability to to request an investigation too. Um, so there's I I don't remember exact the exact circumstances of the case, but it's this Latino kid you know uh, not not that old at all. He was shot multiple times by police under very questionable and very what seems to be unjustified circumstances by i don't know if it was lapd or the la sheriff's department one of the two they try to sweep it under the rug and they you know everyone's protesting it is you know everyone knows something's wrong they swept it under the rug so the coroner when they were doing the autopsy of the kid they were like yo this you know this something doesn't look right so they opened their own investigation and the coroner has you know subpoena powers and things as like similar to what the DA has. So they're doing their own inquest, essentially. And when I was reading, that hasn't happened in like 20 years. So what I'm what I'm saying is like, you know, it, 
it affects African-Americans probably more, but, you know, Latinos, um, white people, everyone is not safe when police are just able to do whatever they want and get away with it. Yeah. So it's, it's all, it's all of our fight, you know, Mm -hmm. as Americans. Yeah, absolutely. I heard this quote that said, um, there are good cops and there are bad cops in every department. But the good cops that don't report the bad cops makes all the cops bad oh, yeah. for all that they're unjust that they're doing. And so, I, I mean, I've we've seen it. I mean, uh, Daniel's been with me actually as a confession, Javi. Daniel's been with me a couple of times that I've been pulled over as the driver with him yeah. in it and with uh, some of our minority friends and just mm-hmm. harassed. I think what like at least three times, huh, Daniel? Um, that yeah. in high school. You, me, another it was like the whole gamut you know yeah so and so yeah i mean we i i understand especially from from that point of view um that there are good cops because there are a lot of times where we were up to no good at that point <laughs> and the cops had maybe given us a little bit of of leeway so we do know that there are good cops out there and that they do good works and it's we praise them we're all for them we're behind them but i think um it's those ones those bad ones that really make the rest stand out and uh, it's unfortunate that that happens does hobby want to talk about any of his experiences have you had any experiences with this okay. i mean i've had my personal ones you know we talked about them i think in during season one where i'm they think i'm white but my brother he's dark he's brown yeah and, and this is just coming up subject you know and it's interesting how they treat my brother compared to me and just because I'm educated, he's not educated. He went to the military. He's very, you know, and when we got to the story and so on, that's very interesting to see how they, how they treat, how they treat him versus how they treat me. Oh, yeah. I've gotten away with things where I'm speeding, I'm texting, and the cop would just pull me over and he'll let me go. And he wow. wouldn't even ask for my driver's license or anything like that. I've crossed the border in Mexico where... You know, ICE didn't even ask for my passport. They were just like, go. And I was like, and I don't know if you know, but I was actually born in Mexico, which is a funny thing. So they're like, just yeah. go. And I was like, go. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, I guess my last question would be for me, Daniel, um, if somebody were to come up to you as an attorney, as a, um, as a, as a professional, and they said, hey, mm-hmm. listen, I'm whatever culture i'm white i'm asian i'm latino and you know i see the unjust going on um how do i get involved what what is the key takeaway um how would you how would you navigate them yeah so i mean like i was saying earlier um you know just try to understand what's been going on put yourself in the shoes of people who are experiencing unjust treatment by police and it doesn't take too much of an imagination to get there because like i said there's countless cases of white people uh uh, latinos um asian people of this happening to them so just imagine if you know it was your brother your sister your your mom dad uncle anyone close to you who was in this situation that this happened to because it's not that far-fetched that that could happen to them imagine that and put yourself in that in their shoes and just Think of how you would feel, you know, so just do that. And then one way to get involved, like I said, ACLU is a good organization. Um, 
the NAACP, there's tons of organizations that are uh, leading the fight against, you know, police misconduct and just racism in general. And there's lots of ways to get involved with them, including volunteering, donating money, donating time. Yeah, so there's a lot there's you know, work to be done, but there's enough that everyone can do something. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And um, I think I think it's so I think if people want to, you know, get involved, I always tell them just start, you know, just start even like us, you know, we saw that there was definitely a need for this show. And so we just started it, <laughs> you know, even though we're still learning and all that stuff. I mean, why not? And um, and so, yeah, I, I think just just get started and um, you'll find your right path as you navigate through. And um, yeah, really love what you said, Daniel. Javi, is there anything else that you want to? No, I just want to tell Daniel, thank you for joining us. I think I've learned a lot, you know, what I can do. And um, it was great having you and great hearing from your personal experiences. Mm-hmm. And if anybody was... oh, appreciate sorry. the opportunity. When I show, I always watch you know, it's a good thing you guys are doing. It's always interesting. So it's great to be able to get on it. Yeah, no, thank you, Daniel. You taking yeah, any referrals I mean, right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, just thinking, uh, if you know, my firm, we do personal injury. Uh, we do all kinds of things. So if, you, if you're injured in a car accident or anything like that, if, you know, if any of the kind of things we were talking about happened to you, you know, uh, police misconduct, you're stopped unreasonably or unjustifiably, just, uh, you know, shoot, th- shoot them a message on the show and then he'll get it over to me and we'll, we'll get you set up. Perfect. All right. So, uh, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time. And for you guys watching the show, thank you for joining us. This is what the Brown Experience is all about. Season three. Let's go. (laughs) Right on, guys. It was good being here.